0: It was the final month before training for my first ultra alcohol was the one item that was so inconsistent with this otherwise very performance driven mindful life where I really valued my intellectual curiosity, the fuel I was intaking every day. It was this whole journey where like so many positive elements and then there was this one big detractor also. and. I definitely also don't want to take away those celebratory moments, the cheat days and like the stress relief. But I think you can get it also with just having a great beer, too, that doesn't have to have the alcohol. And so that was a huge revelation to me. And then it is an amazing feeling, too, when all of a sudden you're getting an amazing night's sleep on Friday night rather than having like two glasses of wine or a double IPA. And... You just naturally want to wake up at five or six in the morning, just like you do during the week. And all of a sudden you find two or three extra hours in the weekend or your intellectual curiosities running till 10 PM at night rather than being suppressed. And (laughs) it's crazy though. uh,
1: Intellectual curiosity is, I think captures it perfectly because that does get suppressed. You're totally right.
0: I've had so many done so much of my best thinking, either early in the morning or late at night in the past eight years, or I've read more books since I turned 30 than I did in the 30 years before. And it is just uh, I think it's totally a result of that. And it's this virtuous cycle. And that's the impact my wife saw on me. Um, And so that's definitely the impact we're trying to have in the world, for sure.
1: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, and coach, and this is episode 151. As you all know, the Weekly Word Podcast is an ultra-endurance resource. On this podcast, we talk more than just training details, especially today. Each episode, I try to dive into all aspects of ultra-endurance, which include recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep. Yet an important distinction on this podcast is that I look to bring out the best athletic version in my athletes. Of course, via the training, nutrition, recovery, and mindset, but I also try to connect the athlete with their inner landscape. That daily training time to care for your mind and your physical self can open doors. The best version of yourself, the creative, energetic, patient, joyful, and grateful side comes into play. Daily self-care in the form of training, nutrition, sleep, and mindset allows you to create from your inner world versus merely consume from the external world. It allows you to be more the author of your life story versus merely a reader of it. I hope to help endurance athletes discover this, this version of ourselves, or more of it, through that daily training that challenges you physically as well as mentally, to spend time with your thoughts and hearing what your inner voice has to share. Endurance coaching can be a transformative experience for you as an athlete and therefore as a person. It can actually change the trajectory of your life and its relationships. It has for many of my athletes. The Weekly Word Podcast is meant to be an addendum to this. Advice, observations, and tips to support human development that comes along with that athletic development we're working on. That's effectively my job as a coach and what I try to convey on this podcast. Your human and athletic development played out in the athletic arena, but overlaying into our daily life. Today we're talking beer, not regular beer. We're talking non-alcoholic beer. Anyone who has ever spent some time with me knows I love beer. And when the opportunity to try a selection of non-alcoholic beers was presented to me, I jumped on it and I was curious. There's been a growing database of research showing the benefits of non-alcoholic beer for athletes. It has even gone so far to become something national teams serve their athletes on purpose pre and post events. Any quick internet search will yield how prevalent non-alcoholic beer was in the past two Olympic Games and how it is a growing beverage of interest in the endurance world. I personally started observing this entry into the endurance market back in 2015 in Kona at the Ironman World Championships. I like to think it's been there a lot longer because I've seen athletes sponsored and drinking non-alcoholic beers for many years prior, but its real big marketing display began in 2015. Since then, the growth of the non-alcoholic beer market in our endurance community has been quite apparent. And so when Athletic Brewing Company reached out to me, I thought it would be great to have them on the Weekly Word podcast and introduce non-alcoholic beer to our endurance community. I hope you enjoy this educational and fun conversation with Bill Schufeld, the co-founder of Athletic Brewing Company. We dive into many topics that I think might surprise you, especially the health benefits of this beer with B12 vitamins, folic acid, as well as a lot of isotonic properties, non-alcoholic beer is quite an interesting choice. What is isotonic? Ideally, when we drink for rehydration, we want to have the same osmotic pressure as human blood, basically the same concentration of dissolved particles. As a result, these drinks and these beers with their valuable ingredients can be immediately absorbed and enter the bloodstream. As we know, one of the key aspects of ultra endurance is a healthy, balanced diet and the lifestyle choices that come with it. Low calorie, natural, and refreshing non-alcoholic beer allows us to check all these boxes. Well, Bill, welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast, especially because of my background, A, being German, and we'll dive into that a little bit more on why that's relevant. And B, because I love beer. So this is an interesting combination to have you on the podcast. This will be fun because it'll be a conversation around beer, about around your business, and sort of what brought you into it. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us a little bit something about what it is you actually have to do with beer. I haven't even prepped this in regards to letting people know what it is you do and why you're you're a beer guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much. Um, and I honestly would have never expected to be a beer guy, at least professionally. Um, I wasn't an entrepreneur who had 50 ideas and chose one. I would have expected to be in finance my whole life. Um, that was my my entire background for 11 or 12 years, um, which is very familiar to someone I know. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I, my lifestyle naturally led me to it. And there's so much about the beer world that is awesome and speaks to community and family and social, but there's so much in the beer world that hasn't kept up with modern times also. And my lifestyle was very performance-oriented. I was really monitoring what I ate. I was about to turn 30, get married, and I was really considering every bit of fuel I put in my body, and I was considering my mindfulness through all different parts of the week and how that affected my performance, both not not only at work, but also as a. I like to fashion myself as both a weekend warrior, will do any kind of workout, but also longer adventures on the weekends and stuff. and it really made me question my relationship with alcohol. And I was actually in my final month of training leading up to my first ultra marathon and decided to stop drinking for a month and felt incredible. Slept through the night and everything. And it was this virtuous cycle and really never looked back. I didn't have the temptation to start drinking ever again, but I missed everything about that world. And, uh, Really, the long and short of it is that I missed all those things that is great about the beer world, family, social occasions, like what beer in hand signifies um, as a point of relaxation or celebration or a good meal. And wanted to bring that up to speed as something humans have been drinking for thousands of years and get it up to modern health trends. Um, So that was kind of the beginning of the idea. And led me let me down this path of non-alcoholic beer which was something i had previously never thought of except to make fun of non-alcoholic beer um which <laughs> non-alcoholic <laughs> i mean non-alcoholic beer has a very well deserved reputation and stigmas um and we really set out to change that and we like to think we make great beer not just great non-alcoholic beer and a product that really has the chance to positively impact the health and activity of all of our customers. Um, So that's really what Athletic Brewing is about is uh, non-alcoholic beer. You don't have to compromise on flavor, but also on your lifestyle to enjoy.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting because you have sent me a variety of samples and it was a difficult, um, not transition, I should say, but it was sort of like to look at it without a biased opinion I would, I would probably describe it best as when, when you sort of crack the can and sort of go, all right, well, this will be interesting. And then going through those range of emotions of realizing, wow, this ain't so bad. My personal favorite is the IPA, um, just because that has the closest flavor and the hoppiness of a beer. Um, but it was, I'll be honest with you. The first thing I did, I was driving to Park City and we were doing a big training week there. And I said to Emily, my better half, I was like, I think I might just open a beer while I'm driving. Um, and she's like, what, what are you talking about? I was like, it's non-alcoholic beer. It's, I mean, it, and I, it was sort of in the evening. We have been driving most of the day and, it was refreshing and it was nice to be able to drink something other than water or a soda while you're, while you're driving.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exactly that. And I find myself in so many situations where like I have a beer either on the drive home from work or in the afternoon during the work day. And no matter how stressful your day is, it takes your temperature from like an eight to like a three. And there's something about that placebo effect where, yeah, for thousands of years, humans have been drinking beer in relaxing situations, and it definitely is a great alternative. Um, but And also, just like you said, a great alternative to water and soda, and that could be for a car ride. It could be your weekly meal pairing. Um, and those flavors you speak to are totally a testament of our other co-founder, John, who is a highly awarded craft brewer and has won craft, alcoholic craft beer awards both on this continent and internationally and um yeah that run wild is are classic west coast ipa so i'm definitely not surprised you like it it's got uh
1: five
0: <laughs> you know, five different pacific northwest tops with um citra mosaic and an organic vienna malt backbone so it's uh, nice. definitely yeah definitely all the like wholesome goodness of beer and then um just without the dehydrating alcohol
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it was a it was a positive experience to go through. But let's uh, sort of take a step back. So what you started in twenty fifteen, is it, with um athletic brewing?
0: Um, so we launched commercially in 2018. Um, I started planning in 2014, uh, towards the end of the year. Um yeah, and I'd really been in finance the prior 12 years up to that, like a very demanding day job and I wouldn't have expected to ever transition out of that truly,
1: yeah, yeah, and so then you found this market niche somewhat because I was reading thirty percent of Americans don't drink alcohol, and so that's a huge, huge untapped market, and there was also some sort of um awakening happening right around that time in twenty eighteen yeah
0: it's it's interesting um and I, I think it's got remnants all the way back to like prohibition era stigmas that are so outdated now and stigmas around the word sober. And it's very much like stigmas around words like vegan, also. Yeah, um, for sure. That maybe haven't kept up with modern health trends. And I was shocked, but yeah, 30% of adults don't drink at all, 50% of 0.1 drinks or less per week. So essentially don't drink. And 80% of adults have six drinks or less per week. So less than one drink a day. Um, So like most of the alcohol in our country is being drank by 20% of the people in the country, um, which is totally the opposite of what traditional beer and alcohol marketing would lead you to believe. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I always thought when, when I stopped drinking, I always assumed I was such an outlier and it was such an awakening when i realized that wow there are so many people in my community my workplace even my family i didn't know who had stopped drinking um and so it was definitely eye-opening for me
1: yeah well and interesting too just from the finance perspective if 20% is the market that something doesn't seem right there, that nobody's really serving in that space with that demand with regards to something refreshing and the placebo effect, the remaining 80% properly. (laughs) Finance 101 says, "Uh aha, there might be something there.
0: It's crazy. And so like, the moment for like my wife saw objectively the positive impact not drinking had on my life and that was really in all areas of my life it was it was better sleep better health better relationships and communication with my friends and family better performance at work um and it just all fed on itself and like became a virtuous cycle um so my interest in starting the company was there are 15 million Amer- adult Americans in the US who have documented alcohol use disorder. And that is such a big number, but it's probably multiple times that of people who struggle with moderation. And mm-hmm. um, and it's always been this like secretive thing for people to get sober. And my wife saw the positive impact that choice had on me. And I really wanted to make put a real big dent in sobriety in America and improve the lives of tens of millions of people. And that fire that was lit under me by a conversation with me and my wife was something that'll never go out. Um, But as you said, like being a finance guy also, the more I researched, I was like, Oh my goodness, like worldwide, the average non-alcoholic beer market is 6% of the overall beer market, Um, and in the U.S. it was 0.3% of the beer market. Um, And then, yeah, beer and wine and spirits, like most sell a huge percentage of their volume on Friday and Saturday nights, but they're missing five days of the week and about like 60 70% of the population most of those days also. So economically, something I always like to talk to our retail and distribution partners about is, really 90% of drinking occasions are non-alcoholic drinking occasions and the beer beer world is just totally missing it so
1: as well as time of day right like that's the interesting thing too is like the fact that you can drink non-alcoholic beer the rest of the hours of the day so not only is the beer market small when it comes to the amount of people actually consuming it as in Per drinks per person. But then you also have, it's maybe a four or five hour window in the afternoon and into the evening. Whereas non-alcoholic beer, you basically have 18 hours a day.
0: 100%. And we kind of like to refer to it as that like line in the sand in the day, when you decide to have your first drink, it kind of takes a lot of things off the table for the rest of your day. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like exactly what we want to promote is what about this being your new golf course beer? What about this being your post-race beer? If you're finishing a Spartan race or an Ironman or something earlier in the day, um, this is an incredible celebration beer and then enjoy the rest of your day, be able to drive home and everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's exactly what spoke to me with regards to having you on the podcast is this connection with the endurance athletes and this community in general is We do so much to try and take care of our body besides the training with when we talk recovery, when we talk nutrition, when we talk sleep, and all those are impacted by alcohol. And I'll be the first to admit that I have a fair share of beer. I love beer. But I'm also fully aware, like you said, there's a line in the sand I'm crossing. As of this point, the rest of my afternoon, evening, whatever, is not going to be as effective. It's basically shutting down my day. And if I have another workout that day on a weekend or on a weekday, there's none of that in between. Or if I have um, certain things to do in the evening, but I don't want to give up that beer, I just lost a lot of productivity. And so this aspect of it falling in line with the, um, the health and fitness lifestyle choices that we're making and compromises that we're already making, you actually take a compromise off the table that you actually can enjoy a beer and all the effects of it with, with regards to health, like you said, the placebo effect of just relaxing and drinking something other than water or a recovery drink and there's a variety of not only of the health benefits which we'll dive into but just again that psychological exhale all right I've finished that task, I finished that workout, I finished my day but it doesn't necessarily mean that my day is over.
0: I, I totally agree and for so many reasons too and this has organically led us to so many elite athletes um, like, Uh, Ben Hoffman, the lead Ironman, is one of our sponsored athletes. and He actually called us and said, you know, I've been drinking your beer for a year. I feel like I should make this phone call because I'm telling everyone about your beer to begin with. Um, But for exactly those reasons where people spend so much time training and dedicating their life to the fuel they're eating and the sleep they're getting and all their lifestyle choices and alcohol is so inconsistent with that, um, especially as a like dehydrating inflammatory substance, Um, really beer has a lot of good things going for it too. Um, And there's some great articles out there, especially around like the Olympics last time around about the benefits, health benefits of beer really. Um, And these are obviously tests we haven't run in our own lab, but there's a lot of literature out there on it. Um, But ranging from anti-inflammatory to rehydrating to, multiple different kinds of electrolytes, vitamin B, D, calcium. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of studies out there and a ton of Olympic teams have done the work and have done the legwork with regards to the benefits, the recovery benefits, the rehydration aspects of non-alcoholic beer. I mean, it became a big thing in the 2018 Olympics with the German team. But Us in the triathlon community, Ironman triathlon community especially, has known of non-alcoholic beer for 15 years since um, the Lothar leaders and the Germans came over with their Erdinger in Kona every year. And they would have huge parties there and people would always think it was about the beer, but it was actually non-alcoholic beer that the whole tent and the whole athlete village of the Erdinger group was promoting and drinking and You know, hydrating before the race with non alcoholic beer because of the benefits, physiological benefits, recovery benefits, and also what we've, what the studies have been showing with regards to upper respiratory infections and so forth, when your body is just so depleted and exhausted from a multi day, 10, 12, 16, 17, 20 hour event that you are susceptible. To getting sick, to the sniffles, to colds, to some sort of infection, and um, when it comes to breathing and so forth. And the interesting thing is, it's like a, it's a dramatic difference when you have these non-alcoholic beers with polyphenols in it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and if you compare it to what people traditionally drink at these finish lines or aid stations and things like that too, it's. Um, I've had a lot of fun with I have this 8-foot Yeti cooler that I bring around to different finish lines and I've been at aid stations on different ultras around the country and um, plenty of Ironman finish lines also Um, like we've been at Lake Placid each of the past few years besides this year Um, and it's so much fun and unbelievable to see how fast a few hundred beers go to people finishing the races and you know it's goodness they're putting in their body too which is a huge win too like people walk up with a sugary soda and it's such a great feeling to get that out of their hand and get a beer in their hand
1: for sure but i will say this on a side note that triathletes i'm not sure about how bad ultra runners are but triathletes are notorious for taking anything that's free yeah. <laughs> you give them a goodie bag they'll run another 20 miles
0: <laughs> it's But it's been incredible just being, we learned so much about our company and our community too by that first summer in 2018. Um, I, myself, we only have three people in the whole company between making the beer, selling the beer, all administration, our tap room and everything. So on the weekend mornings, I was waking up at 3am driving to a race somewhere within like a six hour radius. And I did 65 athletic events myself, where a lot of them I ran the race and then got behind the booth or and just gave out 500 to 1,000 beers every weekend. And yeah, it was so much fun, like talking to people and learning about our company and everything. It was. uh, I definitely wouldn't trade those grassroots days for anything.
1: <laughs> Grassroots is fun for sure. Um, so, with regards to the beer aspect as well, with the the normal terminology around and the knowledge around how beer dehydrates and non alcoholic beer actually rehydrates, um, it's sort of something that I always like to bring up. It's not necessarily normal that after a long run or a long training day that your legs turn into these bricks or just stiff logs. Um, There's a lot that can be done around that to help you recover faster. And one of those aspects is rehydrating properly, but also with the proper ingredients, electrolytes, antioxidants, that it'd be hard to find something as effective as non-alcoholic beer.
0: Yeah, it really is. And on top of it all it's all ingredients you recognize it's just four simple ingredients water hops barley and yeast and so it's not something you're wondering what this food dye is what this like synthetic ingredient is it's we use certified organic grains and then um yeah but the the properties of a full fermentation um are really good for the human body too where it's it is a uh, significant potassium sodium <clears throat> uh, excuse me um vitamin b d calcium um and all really good things but it's almost um also addition by subtraction and you don't have the bad things also so it's yeah. uh where if you're looking at a say say someone's finishing a race and drinking a low-calorie light beer that's in the 4% range. Mm-hmm. The general rule of thumb is 20 calories per 1% alcohol. So if if someone's drinking a 100-calorie light beer at a finish line, that's 80-plus calories right there of just like ethanol calories. And so our like 50 to 70 calories in our beer from organic grains and then just with other ingredients like hops and yeast in it as well
1: yeah and fermentation I mean we eat or we're um, recommended to eat fermented foods as well so a fermented organic product let's say like a beer a non-alcoholic beer has very similar qualities and effects on the gut and the body as well so I can see how the two relate quite closely and as you said you know All the benefits, now, many would argue that the benefits of regular beer are very similar. And that is, I think you would agree, in most cases, true. It's just that it comes with negative aspects, too, and downsides that, in many cases, really outweigh or nullify the benefits that you're getting of the beer in the first place.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And just the diuretic um, qualities of alcohol definitely just all your body wants is hydration at that point and it just strips it out. Even like your existing hydration, it'll pull more than you're taking in out of your body. Um, yeah. So obviously that's a huge detractor, um, but I, I totally agree. I am all about, all about gut health um, and I drink a kombucha every day, even like well outside the sphere of our products. Um, I try to consume any fermented foods that I can get my hands on.
1: Yeah. So with regards to your brewing process, which one do you use as we or as we as I did some Digging into how this works, the non-alcoholic aspect from reverse osmosis to the thermal aspects or approach to the um, specific um, bio-industrious grains or, uh, excuse me, yeast strains that in order to um, activate the fermentation differently, how do you guys go about it?
0: Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, there are a number of ways that people go about making non-alcoholic beer and 95% of the non-alcoholic beer in the world is made using industrialized technologies um, that either burn off the alcohol or aggressively filter it out. And unless you're going for like a very like crisp Pilsner type beer or lager, um, you lose a lot there and it doesn't, they don't really respect the, nature of the ingredients and kind of like the essence of everything we love about food, Um, be it the organic ingredients, the hops, the aromas, everything you want to come through. Um, Really all those delicacies and nuance are lost in those processes. So John and I really went back and said as a baseline, if those processes worked, the brewing community is incredible. And they would already be making a wide range of great non-alcoholic beer for all occasions. So we basically stripped it down to nothing, started with the baseline. Those technologies don't work and built it up from scratch. And um, I, while I was still at my old finance job, I basically downloaded the curriculum of every brewing school out there, started reading the textbooks on nights and weekends, and put about two years of work into it between the business plan and the process. And had a delusional amount of confidence that we had this way to brew fully fermented beer just to under 0.5%. Um, and actually had the confidence to quit my job without actually brewing any beer. Um, proceeded to get rejected by about 200 brewers as I tried to find someone to team up with, which was a fairly dark point. Um, Definitely no one believed in the industry or the appeal of it or if it was possible at that point. Um, and eventually John applied and he was the most talented of anyone I had talked to and so thoughtful and has been the perfect co-founder. Um, as I said before, he's won a wide range of awards in the alcoholic spectrum and now non-alcoholic. So he's um, just has an incredible palette and recipe ability and he's super thoughtful in his scientific approach. and credit to John. I wanted to dive in and chase down like one method I thought was the highest probability. And he said, we're going to start at the baseline, use the scientific method and change small variables in each batch and see how it turns out two weeks later. And we did about a hundred trials in really small batches in an empty warehouse um, to come up with our process. And so it's it's not like we have a single piece of machine and we just like blast it through and it's a magic bullet and it's de-alcoholized beer. Um, mm. Really every step of the process is slightly different, but it it is all natural. And like we change temperatures in different tanks and time lengths in different tanks. And when we do different additions, um, it really starts with ingredient selection and goes all the way through conditioning where it's slightly different. Um, so it's, I guess the long way of saying it is we actually brew just super, super sessionable, fully fermented beer. Um, And it has.
1: Well, that's a key point right there, right? The fact that it's fermented, right? That that a lot of that already takes a lot of the other non-alcoholic bigger players off the table because they use sort of the malting aspect, a flavored malt product almost.
0: Yep. Yeah, it could be yeah, just a beer flavoring. It could be a stripped-down substance with things we reinserted. Um, yeah, and this is really true beer, and John wanted the essence of all the ingredients to speak. Um, and he also said and had it in his contract that we're not going live with this product if it's not great beer that he's proud of. So uh, definitely credit to John on just – I'm a beer lover, and I know good beer when I drink it, and I've learned a lot from about tasting beer and tasting with John. But John's definitely the talent on the recipe side, for sure, on the <laughs> brewing process and everything.
1: Yeah, they are truly scientists as well as chemists, as well as um, sort of, uh, what are they called these days, Cicerones? Um, the, the, yeah. the The gentleman, yeah. So it's, it's incredible how they can... F- match the palate as well as be scientists as well as no food in order to do everything
0: totally underrated like how chemistry driven brewers are there's so much going on behind the scenes and i think the beards throw a lot of people off but they are amazingly talented and and recipe creation is takes a lot of um innovation and um just thoughtfulness and um yeah and creativity
1: they're they're artists in a way too i mean the fact that you know what i don't know what this will taste like but i'm going to try a little bit of you know curant currants or um you know all kinds of different ingredients pineapple and then this and then palm leaves and who knows what they're brewing things in
0: yeah, we just teamed up with uh, chef Chris Casentino up in the Bay Area. He has an awesome restaurant called Coxcomb um, in San Fran, but uh, it's got a ton of uh, lemon verbena in it. And so it almost has this like old Bay type spice. Um, oh, wow. Was, yeah, really cool to see John and Chris collaborate on that beer. And um, I'll so have to send you some. Yeah,
1: so, so it's, <laughs> it would make sense for Dungeness crabs to have sort of a, a Pilsner golden ale with sort of an offset in there. I like it.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely have to send you some. It's super fun though.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, with regards to um, the yeast then, so you use all organic, um, all, and you, do you follow the um, German purity laws in that respect almost?
0: Um, some of our beers do. Uh, some have like different modern adjunct ingredients. Um, uh-huh. I guess our Golden Ale and IPA do follow the, uh, I'm not great at pronunciations, but um, Reinheits, and, uh, Reinheitsgebot.
1: Reinheitsgebot.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, so they technically would fall under it. And yeah, both have a backbone of organic Vienna malt. And yeah, we use very traditional ingredients. Um, And hop selection is huge for us. Um, Hop integrity is something that's never really existed in non-alcoholic beer because of those technologies. So we've had a ton of fun doing blends of different Pacific Northwest hops, local, um, some like Hudson Valley, New York hops. Um, We're doing local California beers. um, And then we've done a bunch of, different single hop varieties too with like, we just had a Simcoe single hop IPA released online last week as well.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Do you do any dry hopping?
0: We do. Yeah. A fair amount. Um, Totally depends on the beer too.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So given this past eight months. Um, And what we've all been reading in the mainstream media about how everybody's almost drinking more Mm -hmm. and that liquor store sales and beer sales have actually stabilized, if not been growing due to the pandemic and people being at home. How is that sort of tied into your business? Because I'm sure, you know, there's probably two stories there.
0: I, I think there definitely is too. And um, there's definitely some selective reporting going on in the data where um, beer volumes are for sure up overall, yeah. um, especially in the off premise. Like some people are just reporting on like liquor store sales or grocery store sales, which, sure, if you take out all the bar and restaurant sales and move them to that channel, they're going to go up. Um, but I think overall dollar value sales might be down because bars and restaurants are closed too. Um yeah,
1: those kegs and, make a lot of money.
0: Oh, for sure. And um so like yes, people are the world's a stressful place, particularly now, and I think people are some are definitely drinking a ton. Um And it is great to see people like outside or doing dinner parties and enjoying those occasions. And we're definitely not a soapbox company for sure. And the world is a stressful place. Um, But I think there's also huge percentages of people where um, I saw a Bloomberg article that said something like 28% of adults have significantly reduced their alcohol consumption also. Um, Where I think people waking up in the same spot over and over again with a lot of variables of their life stripped out, it's easier to identify the effect alcohol is having on sleep, on how you feel during the day, on your eating habits, on your performance. And if you take out those variables like travel and going to your office and being presented with a wide range of meal choices, it's really easy to dial in how that alcohol affects your day-to-day. Um, so
1: that's a fantastic point you make there and narrowing it down and being able to quantify how effective your sleep is and your mood and your energy levels and your recovery levels in this time when it's just sort of Groundhog Day over and over again. It is a unique window to um, quantify that. It's, it's really, really um, a unique time to come out of this with more knowledge and better prepared than in a usual eight month window.
0: Yeah. The the data is better than ever too. between whoop bands and I watches and everything. Um, the data at people's hands and you can track workouts three days in a row. And it's very clear your performance. I'm like, Oh, how did this, how did this meal affect this? And I went through a similar process with, switching over to mostly plant-based diet it was just when i got my iWatch and was starting to look at how i felt and i worked out it was very clear to me that eating a plant-based diet i felt like i wanted to accelerate the whole time i worked out and when i had meat i just kind of got through um so definitely a lot of those variables and better data and easier to isolate for sure um in terms of our overall business it's we are lucky that the category is still early in the discovery phase. So I think we purchased a brewery in San Diego this year and increased our capacity significantly and capacity had previously been our biggest pain point. So with the category growing, like it is um, non-alcoholic craft beer is up something like 300% year to date as a category. Um, it, it definitely helps to have a tailwind like that at your back. So um but we were lucky to enter the uh, pandemic with really the only true e-commerce platform in beer. And so um, with most alcohol, you have to ship to to a distributor, to a retailer. Then it goes to a delivery service, and then it goes to the customer. Where
1: uh, yeah, and, you, and you lose money in every step.
0: <laughs> yeah, you lose money, you lose data, you get farther from your customer Um, your customer can't tell you what's going on with your product, how their experience was. And we are, we're the only beer company in the, in the country really, who has a sophisticated e-commerce platform and ships thousands of orders a day direct to customers. Um, so entering the pandemic, um, when people started, I think overall grocery purchases went from on average 15 to 20% of the population to 40% during the pandemic, um, that was a huge built in advantage for us. Um, so obviously that channel has been a rocket ship this year. Um, but it's really helped us get closer and closer to our customers as well, which is nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. what's, so what is your biggest challenge sitting out there currently? Is it distribution? Is it, or is it more education?
0: Um, Edu- so education is something that I thought was going to be an enormous hurdle when we started, and yeah, um, it's almost the opposite. It's almost like there were was a huge population of adults out there just waiting for it, and the grocery store hadn't evolved that category in 30 years. Um, we had, like we thought we'd built our Connecticut brew for about five years of runway. And we outgrew it in 10 months and then we doubled it and outgrew it again in three months. And so like, that's when we went shopping for the bigger brewery. Um, a lot of those races, I was at the finish line. I thought I'd be having to tell everyone, this is what this is. This is why you drink it. And really you just had to get it in people's hands and people are like, wow, this is my new weeknight beer. Like this. And they would tell you when they're going to drink it. And, um, that was a super interesting experience to me Um, with the huge caveat caveat is I, I did get make made fun of all day, every day at those events also (laughs) where like the jokes were so predictable, but I let anyone make fun of me as much as they want, as long as they took a sip also. So,
1: yeah, good. Good. So getting it out there is the bigger challenge because once they have it, they like it, or also they're educated as consumers knowing from that big push, I imagine also in 2018 with so many uh, articles around that 2018 Olympics and the Germans not only sweeping so many of the medals, but also constantly on the podium drinking beer. (laughs) It was sort of an interesting dichotomy there. Um, So How how do you plan to get get it in their hands easier?
0: Yeah, and it's like beer is definitely a big heavy beverage, and so getting it around the country and getting on shelves is always a challenge. Um, But we have some amazing distribution partners who've been great supporters, and uh, we are um, with our Southern California brewery. We did we're just going live in NorCal, and we have amazing partners up in the Pacific Northwest now too. And I think it's just about getting closer to people's homes so that they don't have to wait the day or two for it to arrive online so that they can yeah. enjoy it whenever they want is a big hurdle. Um, plus just um, some of our athletes are becoming more and more household names and getting us across to that, like household status and knocking down the stigmas and um the, the word non-alcoholic uh, definitely still carries a big stigma in society. So that's something we're trying to plow through as well with our marketing. Huh.
1: And what's the price point comparison between a six pack of your beer versus a regularly loaded, right? In Germany, we say leaded and unleaded. For <laughs> be, uh, it's unleaded. And you, that's how you order it at, um, at a bar or a beer garden or in a restaurant. You say, I'll take unleaded, please. And they know automatically that that's an, a non-alcoholic beer. Um, but so, so how do what's what's the difference between leaded and unleaded? <laughs> and,
0: um, really, fairly similar because uh, we do use such high-quality ingredients. Um, that, mm-hmm. But we do believe in value, and so we try to be at the low end of craft beer pricing. So, like nine ninety-nine to six pack is what we shoot for. So that people feel like they have a value, but are getting a premium, like meal pairing or experience, also.
1: Yeah, that's cheap on the West Coast these days. Some of the beers are going up to eighteen, twenty dollars a four pack. I mean, they're they're twenty ounce cans, I guess. Um, But still, it's it's getting pricey.
0: Some incredible beer too. So it's uh, definitely different beers for different occasions, and we do try to make our beer very cheap on premise also so that people can have like just a really refreshing achievable price point beer
1: how is it with restaurants um and bars with regards to getting it on the menu let's say um because i know you don't want to just be stuck in the designated driver um, category um but more just if that person is just not in the mood for a beer or a wine or liquor that night, that it's right there on the menu for them.
0: You hit it right on the head that um, most people don't even ask for non-alcoholic beer because they assume that, and they assume there's a dusty bottle in the back of the fridge. Um, (laughs) And we really, if it's the difference between being on menu and off menu is huge in velocity and to add to that, when we can get on tap too, um, like we've never lost a tap handle once we've gone on because there's a different, like, there's not only the daytime and lunch drinkers, there's the curious drinkers who want to try it out or may want it as a pacer beer. Um, and it turns. Um, at some New York City bars, we've been their top seller. Well, before COVID, um, we are the top selling beer for 15 months straight at Top Ops, which is one of New York's best craft beer bars. Um, and they have basically everything in the store. Um, and it, it is really a lot of 20-somethings, 30-somethings, professionals, weekend warriors, um, people who just want a good beer and want the experience but don't want to deal with everything else, especially during the week. Um, and we have seen um, bars have give us three taps during the week and like one tap on weekends. Um, we had one bar open with all, only our beers in January of last year, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely been fun and we've had such a small sales team in the past. We're really excited to have more teammates now to really be able to properly educate and service on premise as well.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that the licenses are obviously different. It's probably, um, I would guess, your FDA versus ATF, for lack of a better description. But let's say for uh, plant-based restaurants or where where they don't even have alcohol on the menu, but you can offer your beer.
0: Yeah, um, like at the Butcher's Daughter in Venice. We're on the menu there. Um, and there's a lot of places where um, they have great menus, but maybe not a liquor license or want, like take pride in curating an awesome selection. Um, and we've definitely thrived at those places. Um, yeah, on the regulatory and food safety front, it is super interesting. We're, so we have a lot of touch points on regulatory. We're regulated by both FDA and TTB. And then wow. yeah, and without the alcohol too, it's it's not as easy as so we always thought making the beer would be the hardest part. Really, food safety is every bit as hard. Uh because gotcha. alcohol is such an incredible preservative that you really need to take care with your quality. And we've significantly overinvested in quality throughout the life cycle of our company.
1: But yet but yet you're stuck on the other side with <laughs> Taps of bars that aren't yeah. necessarily <laughs> the best places to switch out tap handles <laughs> on a couple nights a week because uh, those lines I uh, I can imagine are not that reliable.
0: Yeah, that's a big part of why we've been super selective with our tap lines where we can get in there and service regularly and have confidence in the pride of the bar and the establishment um, for sure. You yeah. hit it right on the head.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So what is the biggest challenge in messaging then remaining? Because we know it's better for you. We know it's healthier for you. We know you feel better with it. We know that the taste has gone um, almost even with regularly leaded beer, for now that I'm saying that constantly. Um, uh, so where where is... Where would you say, is it just stigma? Is it educate? What's missing to that? It just has this breakthrough effect.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think we are in that moment where non-alcoholic beer grew. I think it was 6% in 2018, 19% in 2000, or, um, yeah, it was like 19 or 23% in 2019 and in 2020 or today, that's up 40% as a category. Um, But non-alcoholic craft is up like 300-something percent. Um, And I really think it's in that moment. And as you have a couple more brands join the fold, it'll help like bring the tide in further. I think a lot of that messaging is both at retail. Um, Retailers are used to selling a very small amount of non-alcoholic beer and have no marketing or merchandising dedicated to it. And so... We're trying to totally rebrand the set and make it something exciting. And um I think we're yeah. doing that also where um yeah, where Run Wild is a top five skew in Whole Foods Northeast with um in all beer, alcoholic or not, and including hard seltzers too. So um I oh. think data points like that will really help dedicate more landscape to it at the retail. Um and then, like you said, that the word non-alcoholic definitely still carries a stigma in society. And so I think just as more and more people drink it and as friends tell other friends like and share it with pride, like we're trying to take non-alcoholic from something that um, was always previously something people hid or it was penalty box to something that's positive and aspirational and people are mm. so excited to share that it takes sobriety out of the shadows into this positive life-changing thing. And so I think that's the way we really break through is like getting non alcoholic beer to a positive place. And I think that might involve changing the messaging too, where, um, I don't really care what the alternative words are to non alcoholic, but it could be athletic beers. It could be alcohol free. It could be zero proof. Um, all sorts of like, it's almost like kind of changing the word vegan to um, plant-based with like a modern spin. And I I think a simple change like that, like permissions people to be super excited about it.
1: Yeah. And and getting to a point where just beer means any one of two or three categories. Am I having non-alcoholic? Am I having light or am I having a regular beer? Because even now light beer and regular beer, is almost in the same word beer. And we used to, I mean, I remember when I was younger, um, just when light beer came out and um, Miller Light with a taste great, less filling, that whole campaign when it started, it was also fighting a stigma of, you know, it's basically water. And now, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars later, it is, um, you don't look at it, the same way. It is just under the beer category. And I can imagine you guys fight the same thing. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars every day put into fierce advertisement and messaging around beer that trying to build it organically and word of mouth and fighting for shelf space and eye space um, of the consumer is as could be daunting. But when you know you have a high quality product that not only is healthy and better for you, but tastes good, I think you're um, you can just observe the truth come forward in the right if 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 i'm using the right words
0: i mean thank you so much and that's like exactly how we're thinking about it um kind of the passion like the words and virality of a passionate few can help spread our message so far um yeah and we are definitely happy to have some bigger brands coming out with non-alcoholic brands as well. Like Heineken zero launching was definitely a godsend for the category as well. Um, So just in terms of getting people to the shelf and help bring that tied in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, endurance in general and the work we put into it and the training we do and the messaging that you're bringing across with the product, it just, it fits the ultra runner, it fits the triathlete, it fits the marathon runner and the cyclist and the just ultra endurance category so well, because again, it's, there's so much we need to try to do with our limited training time, maximizing the limited training time we have, and to not let outside uh, effects or libations in that respect, um, affect that limited window that we have and optimizing ourselves and being able to contribute to those around us and energy levels and just, Keeping that positive energy in the community and within the family and within ourselves going it all ties into this same message of you know if it's healthy and it helps our fitness and it makes us a better version of ourselves um, alcohol definitely does not fall into that category and too often it's sitting there like the elephant in the room you go through 12 hours of your day um, living the best version of yourself or trying to right we're all chasing that trying to and yet we hit this sort of proverbial five o'clock and we're like, all right, now (laughs) we're done with that. Um, Now it's, uh, you know, sort of like a cheat day, right? Here we do, we try to practice good nutrition for six days a week. And that's why, like, I know Emily Definitely doesn't like the word cheat day because it's like you worked hard and you were consistent and you felt the benefits six days a week. And then on the seventh day, you just undo it all, or you you give yourself permission to undo it a lot of it. And it's sort of similar to every day with an alcoholic drink or even a long weekend with alcoholic drinks that you just sort of you you train so much, you sacrifice so much, you fit so much in these little windows, and then you're going to or you risk compromising a lot with you know using that 5 o'clock cutoff of now I take care of myself and you're actually not (laughs) so it's a very exciting and interesting and a new angle on a product and a time of our day and how we go about it that actually is positive in in such a unique way
0: I mean uh, you just said it so perfectly perfectly and and in so many different ways. Um, and I totally agree, obviously in everything you said. Um, and there is that almost self-destructive element of alcohol where, um, it took me stepping away and it was performance and endurance that led me to this place also. Um, I, it was the final month before training for my first ultra that I decided to stop drinking. And at that point, it was exactly like you said, it was so clear that alcohol was the one item that was so inconsistent with this otherwise very performance driven mindful life where i really valued my intellectual curiosity the fuel i was intaking every day um my wife is an incredible plant-based chef and we try to grow a lot of food in our backyard and it was this whole journey where like so many positive elements and then there was this one big detractor also and I definitely also don't want to take away those celebratory moments, the cheat days and like the stress relief. But um, I, I think you can get it also with um, just having a great beer too that doesn't have to have the alcohol. And so that was a huge revelation to me. And then it is an amazing feeling too when all of a sudden you're getting an amazing night's sleep on Friday night rather than having like two glasses of wine or a double IPA. And you just naturally want to wake up at five or six in the morning, just like you do during the week. And all of a sudden you find two or three extra hours in the weekend or your intellectual curiosities running till 10 p.m. at night rather than being suppressed. And some, <laughs> it, it's crazy, though. It, uh,
1: and that is actually a very uh, key word. That intellectual curiosity is, I think, captures it perfectly because that does get suppressed you're totally right
0: and it's it's exactly that and it's i've had so many done so much of my best thinking either early in the morning or late at night in the past eight years or i've read more books since i turned 30 than i did in the 30 years before um and it's it is just uh i think it's totally a result of that and it's this virtuous cycle and that's the impact my wife saw on me um and so that's definitely the impact we're trying to have in the world for sure.
1: Yeah, we um it's it's interesting you brought up how you didn't drink the month before your ultra. And for 10 years I think or for 12 years the final 6 weeks for me before Kona I would not drink. I wouldn't have any beer because I don't really drink anything else. And you know, it wasn't until a few years ago Again, Emily said to me, she's like, Well, how come just in the last six weeks? Like, isn't all the training months leading up to it? (laughs) the important part. And then in the last six weeks, you decide like you become more serious then didn't it start, you know, eight months ago. And I didn't have an answer for that. It's it was just sort of an extra level of seriousness. But that's not the time to do it. It was actually in the training phases that I would have needed it most from a sleep and recovery and a mindset aspect. (laughs) So here I was, once again, speechless, going, yeah, I I think i timed it the wrong way around <laughs> so and then of course it's easier in the final six weeks because you have the event so you stay focused and it, it it feeds itself had i not for the months prior those last six weeks you don't even think about anyways
0: yeah and it's uh it's probably so much easier for me to realize those effects than you because Like In comparison, I'm just like a sightseer out in the woods if I'm doing an ultra or something like that compared to how you or some of your athletes would attack a similar race. Um, But it it was very apparent in my performance and my sleep and everything. And stripping out that one variable uh, was an amazing change.
1: So what's next for you with regards to ultra endurance? Do you have anything? Are you training for anything? Do you still train or is your... Uh, third leg of the stool, as I like to call it, work, family, and the endurance self being taken over by (laughs) the work aspect.
0: So it's definitely this year, more than others, work has gotten me a bit. Um, And I do just want to be more present for my wife in this year and our teammates as it's super stressful. And, um, but my big race of the year was supposed to be the Telluride mountain run um, the 38 mile version in August, Wow! Uh, which, wow. uh, it's a amazing race. And, um, yeah. and so me and my brother had it on the calendar, we had the apartment in Telluride rented and everything, and the race got canceled and we decided to go forward with it anyway, and just get out there and do a couple super long runs in the mountains that oh, week. Great. Um, yeah. and it was it was really a uh, incredible week with him and doing a couple of different versions of endurance stuff um it actually ironically coincided with our brewery did uh so we have two breweries in Stratford Connecticut and San Diego um mm-hmm. and we did a coast to coast bike ride to signify the opening of the second facility um, oh, right on. and, uh, we divided it up into 10 different riders doing three legs each. So it came out to about a hundred miles a day. Um,
1: I hope you made Ben do like 10 of them.
0: <laughs> I, I did do the last day with Ben. He was, uh, <laughs> he was a total champ. He came out during COVID with his wife and did the LA to San Diego ride with us, which was incredible and so much fun to be able to ride with him and get his perspectives. Um, the ride actually went through Telluride while me and my brother were there also. Um, So I got to ride a hundred mile day with another one of our athletes, uh, Pete Statina, who um, incredible elite cyclist who has ridden multiple tour de France's and he's now in the U S gravel community, kind of leading the emergence of U S gravel biking Mm -hmm. um, to some extent. And uh, so I got to ride 100 miles with Pete that day um it was actually the first time I was on a road bike all year um with about 10,000 feet of elevation change that day so that was a (laughs) it it was like an incredible cherry on top to a very active week um but
1: um (laughs) and altitude how'd you feel up in Telluride that must have been quite a jump because you're in the north northeast right
0: yeah oh I I love the altitude um I so I'm Like, I'm definitely not fast. I'm even on flat road. If I'm not paying attention, I might run nine, nine and a half minute miles and have to kick myself to speed up a little bit. Um, But I just love being out there and crushing calories and anything that makes it slightly more difficult, like altitude or elevation, I absolutely embrace and love. So.
1: Um, well, it looks like you have that bug still in you that'll express itself at some point, some year that that endurance athlete will come out again. Um, um, I'm sure it sounds, I can hear it in your voice.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's um, it, it's definitely something I've heard you speak about before on multiple different instances. Um, but I've, and I had heard you and Rich talk about it in years past also. And I think you guys were very... Ahead of the curve, and then COVID has just sped up a lot of things too. Um, Yeah, where people are really seeking these unique adventures and challenges, and just the emergence of the FKT world over the past few years. Um, I I think that is like just people wanting to be out in nature and unplugged, and maybe not necessarily worried as much about their time, Um, and just taking it all in and getting that headspace. And that's something I really like to get away from my phone and have six hours without email and burn a ton of calories and like justify eating just a ridiculous bowl of ice cream that night or something. Um, (laughs) It's definitely what I'm after.
1: Yeah. I was reading a quote the other day of how much of your day you spend in the mind and how we use our brain and our mind so much. And we value our productivity in how much we worked with regards to the mind. But yet we overlooked that there's a lot more to the body (laughs) below the shoulders and that we should take some time every day and spend it with the body, checking in with it, working it, caring for it. And so that's that's another aspect of why I want everybody to sort of be out there a little bit every day to give actually the mind a break because we work with it all day. Now work with the body a little bit. And that connection too is so important that the mind gets a chance to check in with the body and the body gets a chance to check in with the mind. That only happens during exercise and training. So, And again, I just can tie it right back to where non-alcoholic beer can keep that connection more vivid and more real versus, um, suppress it or give you a skewed impression of yourself because of the other effects of alcohol.
0: I, I totally agree. And, um, about that checking in every day and it's, Even if it's just doing burpees in your living room and getting your heart rate up for 10 minutes, um, it's, it's something I truly believe in is like, no matter how far you think it's going to put you off your schedule to do a workout, that time's always made up later. And, um, yeah, yeah, there's just so much noise in any given day and stresses firing from all angles and. Some of it's mandatory. A lot of it's just other people's agendas on your email inbox or social media. And it, it, it there are those core things that get you back to things that humans have been doing for thousands of years. And that could be, it's getting your heart rate up. It is talking to people and looking in their eyes. It is like having a beer in your hand and enjoying a meal and just like time with friends and family and yourself and nature. And so... I definitely try to keep those things in mind as I go about my day for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're so, so right in all of that. Tell me, um, here the two for the trails program. I noticed that on your site and I definitely thought that was quite a noble, interesting cause that you guys are involved with as well.
0: Yeah. Thank you. It's, um, it's something that, I mean, me and my brother, um, like, and really, so many people in our company, and like the outdoors is so core to human health and activity. And with our company being built totally around that positive impact on health and activity, um, we felt really compelled to do our part in making sure the outdoors are here for generations to come. And we wanted to hard code that in our company from the beginning, because we knew if we grew to a certain size and then had to tell investors about it, it would be uncomfortably big. Um, so we don't rate right, since day one, have donated 2% of all sales to trail and park cleanups. And that could be anything from urban parks and playgrounds all the way to like the most remote, like main huts and trails, cabins um and we not only donate the two percent of all sales we go out and do trail and park cleanup days with our team our ambassadors all over the country and um we try not to do it in huge checks and corporate sponsorships we do it in small like one two three five thousand dollar checks to municipalities and small parks all over the country Um, and this year we're on pace to do about 350,000 in just trail and park cleanups alone. Um, so we're super proud of that. And with the world opening back up, we've done about six trail and park cleanups since August 1st, um, really all across the country. Um, so it's, it's super fun and impactful.
1: I love it. It ties into the whole corporate messaging of what you guys stand for and connecting with the community and outdoors and, all the aspects of how your product matches sort of your words and your actions and the community connection—it's—it's uh, it's always really nice to hear that. So, well, I think we uh, covered a lot of it here, and I think it's really uh, been an f- interesting conversation. Obviously, fun for me—I can talk beer and this lifestyle for <laughs> for a long time, but I don't want to keep you too long. What would you say? How can people best find your product. Um, and how would you say they go about their first sort of tasting of non-alcoholic beer versus me while driving across the Nevada desert?
0: (laughs) Um, well, thank you so much. And for the kind words and just talking through everything, it's a, such an honor. Um, our, it's super easy because we are a non-alcoholic. We can ship across the country from athleticbrewing.com. And on there, too, we have a store finder, which we're in about uh, 25 states of distribution now. So beer should be in a lot of people's backyards as well. Um, in terms of our beers, uh, we have our, our Upside down Golden Ale. is really light, crisp, refreshing, 50 calories, crafted to remove gluten. Uh, super drinkable, like a slightly hoppy golden. Our Run Wild IPA is a classic West Coast uh, IPA, obviously super sessionable and drinkable. um, Not too hoppy, uh, but does have five different Pacific Northwest hops. And then we have different darker beers. Uh, We have our Stout um, that'll be on all winter. And in the summer, we have our Mexican Lager, which is super crushable. And then a whole range of different other beers that hit the market on a rotating monthly basis from double IPAs, single hop IPAs, fruited sours, um, all sorts of fun stuff coming out. That's
1: really, um, really interesting to hear all the, the usual brewery lingo for a non-alcoholic brewery. I think that's (laughs) interesting to hear.
0: Oh, it's so much fun. And our brewing team is incredible. Now that, um, So we have pilot systems on both breweries too, and we try stuff out and then scale it up as people like it. And like, for example, right now, we have our East and West coast brewing teams battling on different pumpkin beers. Um, we just released another West coast IPA, um, so a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on.
1: Well great. Well great. Well I really appreciate this little bit over an hour of your time and the samples I plan to take uh, the Run Wild on the Oregon coast with me because after uh, you know 130 140 miles a day of cycling um trying to fit in <laughs> beer in that window might be challenging so having that along will be uh, will be a good sample on how quickly I recover and I'm back at it at 7am the next morning. So I appreciate you sending that to me. I appreciate you being on. And usually I ask all my guests, you know, if they're beer or wine people, but I pretty much have that answer with you. And.
0: Definitely, bear guy Yeah,
1: exactly. It sounds like it for sure. And yeah, well i I look forward to getting a chance to meeting you maybe at one of these events sometime um, when we have events again. And until then, I um, wish you all the best in the growth of this company and this mission that you guys are on. And anything I can do to help promote or get the word out or help the, the branding of crafting a new message versus non-alcoholic leaded and unleaded <laughs> um i'd be glad to uh be part of that
0: thank you so much chris i i truly appreciate the opportunity and all the content over the years too it's uh i think you have even as not one of your athletes and a total amateur myself i've picked up a lot of great tidbits both from the mind and physical from you over the years and really appreciate the kind words and the opportunity.
1: So thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. And I look forward to sometime meeting you in the future.
0: Yeah. Hopefully see you at a finish line. I probably won't see you on the race course itself. Actually. I think we're in different
1: leagues. All right.